0: Is this Ken?
1: It is indeed, sir. Um,
0: it's a pleasure to meet you, Ken.
1: Yeah, it's good to hear your voice, my friend.
0: I'm excited. I, I have no idea what this is going to be like, and I'm very curious.
1: <laughs> well, well, there's... <laughs> I'm sort of thrilled,
0: I have to admit.
1: I'm excited, too. Me and, uh, me and half of America are big fans of your work, not just in Pearl Jam, but going back to the early stuff with Green River and Mother Love Bone and, and all the way up to you. You're, You're
0: a Green River fan? Who isn't? No.
1: <laughs> and all the way up to your recent stuff, your solo first solo release.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so I thought basically what we could do, I mean, just knock around stuff, talk about anything we want. But it dawned on me, kind of reviewing your own career, that if you... Take the time from your early work with the well, Mother Love Bone, that's 1987, when you're what, 21 years old then?
0: Uh, that sounds about right.
1: Yep. Yeah. To today, Re-print when you're probably
0: goes back to 1985,
1: yeah, 80, so. Yeah. yeah, right. And then up to today, when you're around 41. Yeah. So that's two decades of music and culture in this country and really some extraordinary changes during those two decades, uh, some for the better, some for the worse, and I thought it'd be fun to just kind of review some of these changes just by discussing, you know, your work, your career, your philosophy. Great. And since sex ecology, spirituality had an impact on you, we know you've got a integral head on your shoulders, (laughs) so we can integrally reflect on all this as well, but mostly just reflect on your own career and the culture around it over the past couple of decades. Yeah, Want to good. do that? Sure. Okay. Well, let's go back. I mean, you were born in Seattle and graduated from Seattle's Northwest School, right? Yeah. What was that experience like? Was Did you enjoy the educational process? Were you proto punk rebellion where it was it just mediocre what what was your sense about all that
0: uh it was an impactful situation because the people that started the school uh broke away from a another private institution and just sort of on a whim decided they were going to run a new school and that they were going to reprioritize their curriculum and it was going to be art humanities and the environment and they had a whole new sort of way they were going to try to teach history they were going to start in you know your ninth grade you'd be kind of going back to sort of ancient knowledge and then you kind of work your way up through the 20th century as you got closer to your senior year guys were going to be in tights because we were going to have dance lessons well wow. we're going to be required there was going to be uh, at least two arts classes per student i think there was a requirement at that point you had to take two arts classes and i, I think it's, it's it's at least one now I, i'm sure it's I don't think you really have to require anyone to do it if they have the yeah. option. So, it's, yeah. But it, as much as that, it was a bunch of teachers all throwing their lot in together with these founders that uh, started the school. And, and so that was the environment that I was sort of exposed to, which I think it was influential in terms of just like thinking about how do you do
1: something with other people. It sounds really interesting, actually, compared to sort of typical educational processes. It sounds pretty far out.
0: Uh, It's it's cool. It's a great school now. It's developed. But at the time, I think that the the most important things were the ideas of what the school was saying it was about and how it, you know, it was ultimately school still. Right. And it was, you know, there was things about it that were, um, (laughs) that you could look back on and go, okay, I would do this differently or what did I really get out of it or, but it still was a, it was a environment of some rebellious people collaborating. So, I think that's one of the, the coolest parts about what I learned there. And and not only that, but their reading list and sort of what they talked about are the things now, later in life, I can kind of understand and have more perspective on it in terms of, like, history and sort of right. the politics and all the stuff that we're, you know, you might have lost a little bit in, or, or even reading great books that you can't really understand when you're in high school. Yeah. <laughs> or even now, but you can understand that you can't understand them or something. You know?
1: Yeah, all right. Um so anyway. So you get out of that, and then in the first band you're with briefly is March of Crimes, and then, uh, and, and then we're bringing back fond memories, I'm sure. Uh, and then Turner's uh, Ducky Boys.
0: Right. right. It was all it was the startings of saying you could do something. Steve Turner had uh, exposed me to punk rock, and I always knew punk rock, and I've heard the Sex Pistols. I'd never really listened to them or. Something. Right. Had any sort of connection with him, but Steve Turner was a punk, but he was from Mercer Island, and he sort of was an outsider there. And he decided to go to art school, and he just he loved old fuzzy um, records from the '60s and psychedelia and all right. sort of obscure stuff. And I just thought this—he's on to something. And it was, you know, he he had a style about what he liked and what he uh, attached to his, you know, how his beliefs worked and. So, uh, and he basically said, or uh, implied, that you could be in a band and you didn't have, you know, crappier the better.
1: Right. Kind of
0: (laughs) thematically, kind of what allowed me to kind of go, okay, I I can get into a philosophy of of that, that allowed me to find some confidence as a, you know,
1: prepubescent, you know, whatever, 16-year-old. Right. So, that was certainly formative for you to some extent, and... Then it was Turner who went on to form Green River. Yeah. And also. And Mark included, Arm. Yeah. And that also included Jeff Ament.
0: Yeah, yeah. We call him Jeff Ament. Jeff Ament. <laughs> um. Jeff Ament? Jeff Ament? Yes. Jeff Ament?
1: Yes, Ament. So, and then you were asked to join and were with them until the band's dissolution, right? Yeah. That turned out to be a a pretty influential band for that time in the circles that it was in. Did you feel some sort of excitement with it? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it was the things started happening before we even knew how to
0: do anything. I mean, it was just it started instantly. Just all of a sudden, we were playing bars and people were coming in, and there was other bands that were also uh, kind of in our periphery that we all just sort of, you know would get smashed and, and right. play our music. That
1: was, right.
0: that was a theory at least. It so yeah, immediately something started happening. And I think, um, you know, we were all sort of, I think, pretty surprised. Uh, right. Just, and, and felt liberated again by, I think the idea of do it yourself, the idea of punk rock, the idea yeah. of sort of social movements that kind of gave what you were doing a little bit more significance. So I don't, I don't know if we had a philosophy as much as a general sort of belief that art was important, you know, and right. that and that art was for the masses in a right. sense. And that it could be broken and sort of played in a way that nobody could really teach you or tell you or right. um describe or and that there was a whole world to be discovered as you filter art through your unique perspective. And yeah, you can and, make money and that maybe <laughs> Maybe you could possibly go out with really beautiful women and, you know, right. and see the world and stay in a hotel room and, uh, right. you know, have yeah. people care about you.
1: Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the standard boy fantasies about what happens in a rock and roll band. Yeah. But in addition to that, the general notion that art has some sort of meaning and in a sense, the way you were describing it is the traditional sense of art as avant-garde, art as leading edge, art as pointing to something that you can't get out of conventional society, art as making statements, art as a method of growth, a technique of growth. I mean, all those things kind of vaguely in the air to some extent, but it was idealistic, I take it. I mean, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah which is what I think is so really important about art is that it should remain idealistic in a lot of ways. I think it's one of the things that we've tended to lose over the last two decades with this sort of extreme deconstructive postmodernism that deconstructed sort of all values, including idealistic values, and has really sort of left us with nothing but sort of a sense of irony you're not really allowed to make statements. You're just sort yeah. of allowed to make ironic comments, and and that was just starting in the period that you're talking about, so you could still have an idealistic yeah. edge to your art. Yeah. I
0: so am attached to, I think, probably whatever school of philosophy that sort of helped me find a path or a or sort of a way into the, the world of creative stuff that I'm I'm hopelessly postmodern probably in terms yeah. of, you know, that's impacted me so much, the, the nature of deconstructing and the nature of, that my talent is in breaking things. <laughs> um, that, uh, but uh, I'm very curious about what you mean in terms of how to get more idealism into art because I do feel like my idealism is still intact and yet I'm hopelessly postmodern as well. I mean, I, my ideals are about saying what an individual has to say. I mean it it connects to something bigger maybe, but
1: well, both can be right. The idea of being connected with ideals is that there is some truth, some goodness, some beauty that that is real and is Uh that's that's really out there. And then it can be postmodern in a good constructive postmodern sense. We break the old ideals in order to make room for these newer ideals. The extreme postmodernism that I was kind of criticizing, the extreme deconstructive postmodernism, wouldn't even allow you those ideals. Optimism. Optimism. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> It deconstructed everything, so that you're not even allowed to have any ideals, because no ideals are better than others. All ideals are, are yeah. culturally created. All ideals are a product of social construction, and so they're not really real anymore. Yeah, I don't yeah.
0: fit here to that school. I I can yeah. have optimism, and uh, right. I think there's there's structure, but right. I don't claim to know it's you know everything about it but i have my intuition and i think maybe it's storytelling as well as it's the, ultimately that's the method of having both those things coexist is that it's, as long as you're telling a story in some fashion right that uh you're forced to break out of side of your own perspective or something
1: right well increasing perspectives having larger and wider and more numerous perspectives to take, I think, is, is really the name of the game. And, I mean, if you look at developmental psychology, what each higher stage is all about is adding a new perspective. It's adding a new way yeah. to look at something. It's getting a new fresh set of eyes. And I think that's really important as well. So I'm sort of really encouraged that this idealistic like you say, wherever you got it from, whatever philosophy got you into art as creativity and idealism has seemed to stay with you. And, I cling to it.
0: You know, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: fantastic. But that really is kind of rare in the art world. And that's why I think it's just something we'll sort of keep returning to, because the extreme version cut out even those ideals. And, and that's what's been so hard. Uh, yeah, a lot on today's generation. So you got Green River and it dissolves, and then you founded uh, Mother Love Bone. With we Jeff. broke
0: up. It didn't dissolve. We broke up.
1: Oh, you bro- okay? Yeah. And any <laughs> anything to say about that? It was just sort of time to.
0: <laughs> it mean, was a huge rift. I mean, we it was the, yeah. it fractured our whole existence. You know, I mean, in terms of what emanated from that breakup is, you know. That's Mudhoney, which is the other half of Green River, which right. is Stephen Mark, who basically created grunge in a way. I mean, you can listen to Green River and go, okay, that's kind of like, kind of, you know, crappy Aerosmith or, you know. I mean, <laughs> we had a thing, and Steve Turner took his thing and really, you know, like, developed it in Mudhoney. Right. And that was where the fuzz, super fuzz yep. sound was. That's yep. where, like, the really drunken, I, we're going to even play less chords than you fucking poser, Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> which was the greatest lesson of all times because Jeff and I, I think thought that, that we weren't going to be able to achieve what we wanted to achieve in that band. And right. as we broke, we freed them to achieve something in a sense that from historical, you know, I mean, from my own perspective, I see as being the sort of proto of, of grunge and in particularly like it's 60s roots of just this like, you know, it's cooler than spandex, <laughs> and, right? <laughs> and Kurt Cobain was mad at us as well for breaking up Green River. I mean, you know, I think he heard Green River records and knew sub pop, and 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 he was influenced by the world of sub pop and their bands and, right. and sort of bands that we were sort of part of. Right. But then it was like you know press war for you know that we were sellouts and he was the real deal, which in a way he was you know he was fantastically the real deal. I mean, yeah, right. And of course he was, you know, and you listen to it and everyone's still trying to live up to his, you know, expectations, which is, can you make it even simpler? Can you make it more about the blues? Can you make it more about like just, you know, fundamental big chords that just you can't argue with, you know, they just like, they just slay you. They're not timid.
1: Right, right. So that split in a sense kind of allowed... Sorry for this side. No, no, no. That is, that's what—that's fascinating. That's the kind of stuff I want to talk about. So in a sense, that rift allowed that development to go forward in a certain… That, As an optimist, that, that's how I look at it. Yeah.